Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. Well, we are in part four of a series that we're simply calling The Long-Awaited Hope. How many of you would agree that in 2020, we're ready for a little hope? That's been the word for Encounter Church, not as a result of a pandemic, not as a result of chaos in our culture, but that's the word that God gave us in the fall of 2019, prepping us for this moment. For the last two weeks, we've looked at a great prophecy given by the prophet Isaiah. We discovered that we are able to apply that prophecy to our lives right here in the year 2020. But this morning, I want to move into a portion of the Christmas story that is, yes, it's highlighted, but I don't really believe that it's emphasized in the way that it should be. I want to look at a time when a group of magi, or wise men as we call them, went on a journey to find the long-awaited hope. Now, traditionally, we see the Christmas nativity, and many of you have a nativity in your house, so we have a handful of them. Some we don't even put out because we have too many nativities. But if you look at the nativity scene, it contains Mary and Joseph, baby Jesus, the shepherds, the wise men, and a host of other animals and whatnot amongst the nativity. But truth be told, the wise men did not make it to the scene that night of Jesus' birth. Now, the exact timing is not exactly known. We don't know exactly how old Jesus was, but we'll discuss that in just a few moments. We do know that he wasn't in a manger. This great meeting took place in a house, and it's found in our text this morning, Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. It says this, they, the magi, the wise men, they entered the house and saw the child and his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, before we dive into this great search for hope that the wise men went on, let's take a moment, let's discover who are these wise guys anyway. You see, first off, we don't really know a lot about them. Not really positive how many there were. We presume that there were at least three because there were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But truth be told, there could have been more, and most likely they traveled with an entourage of people. So you can imagine when they entered the city, everybody knew that the wise men were there. Now, some believe that they were members of a highly educated group, a religious class of people from Parthia or Persia. It's now an area that we know as Iran. But most likely they studied natural science or medicine or maybe even astrology. Now, since they were looking for and searching for the king of the Jews, we are told that they went first off to the Jewish capital city of Jerusalem. There they met with Herod. 
Herod was so disturbed by the news of Jesus' birth, this king of the Jews. In fact, we see in Matthew um, chapter 2 that Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. We're going to talk about this outwitting in a moment. He was so furious that what did he do? He had every child, every boy child, age two and younger, killed. Why? Because he feared the king of the Jews. Herod sends the wise men out to find Jesus. And he says, I want to worship him also. Now we know that's not the truth. He didn't really want to worship him. He wanted to kill him. Therefore, we believe that Jesus was somewhere between the age of 40 days, but most likely closer to two years old when the search finally came to fruition, when the wise men finally found Jesus. I want to take a moment this morning, and I want to really look at this search of hope, search for hope that the wise men went on. I'm going to break this section of Scripture apart just a bit, but first off, let me read it to you in its context. It's found in Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for, many, for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for this child. Look at that. Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for this child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. We'll talk about that in just a moment. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. This morning, just for the next few moments, I want to look at four observations that we can learn from this search that the wise men went on. 
Observation number one is this. It all starts with a desire. It all starts with a desire. Let me ask you this question. Do you have a desire to seek Jesus this Christmas season? Is that on your heart? Is that a a focal point of your life? I want to find Jesus. I want to seek after him. I want to search for him. I want to diligently look for the Messiah. You see, that's where the wise men were. Verse 2, they said, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose. We have come to worship him. The wise men had a desire to not only follow the star, but ultimately to find Jesus. Why? So that they could worship him. That was their hearts. It wasn't about an idea of going on an adventure. It wasn't a vacation moment of, hey, there's a star. Let's see where that takes us. That sounds like fun. But they knew that this star would lead them to the long-awaited hope, the Messiah, Jesus. They, They knew that it would lead them to this newborn baby, the King of the Jews. I believe that at the very first sight of this star... And anticipation began to well up on the inside of them. And an excitement about this newborn king, the Messiah, the one they had read about, the one that they knew about. Suddenly this excitement begins to stir deep down inside of their lives. And I ask you again, do you have a desire today? What's stirring on the innermost parts of your being? But maybe, maybe you've been running life at full speed ahead. No real destination in sight. No real point of of finalized in your life. You've just been going and going and going. Just trying to find hope. Just trying to find happiness or satisfaction or place just to settle. I want you to know today that no matter what life may look like right now, Jesus is ready to meet you where you are. Let me say that again. That should have got you a little more excited than a little patty cake over here and a that's right from a staff member. Look at this. No matter what life may look like right now, Regardless of what you're going through in this season, no matter how many darts the enemy is throwing your direction, no matter how many hiccups or roadblocks you encounter in your life, Jesus, the Messiah, the Lord, our Savior, is ready to meet you right where you are. Look at your neighbor this morning. Tell them Jesus is here. Jesus is at the door of your life, just knocking at that door. The question is, will you open it for him? See, he's not one to to push himself in on you. 
I went to my neighbor's house last night. She recently lost her husband, and they're trying to work out some things and needed to send some information to another family member. So I went over to try to be the, the tech source for them. I took my son with me. And when I knocked on the door, I hear from the kitchen, come in. But as I began to open that door, guess what? The door was locked. I said, you locked me out. I said, I can kick it in if you want me to. You see, Jesus doesn't do it that way. By the way, I didn't kick in the door. They came and unlocked it. But Jesus knocks at the door of your life. And for all of us that, that open that door, he steps in. He says, I am here for you. But the problem is, some of us are so concerned about the junk in the corners of our house that we hide. We hear him knocking at the door and we hide behind the couch. Right? I know we all have those rooms that no one is allowed in when they come over to visit. You may give a tour of your house, but not there. But that's what we do in our spiritual lives as well. Jesus comes knocking at that door. We open that door, but we shield that one corner. Lord, you can have any part of me, but don't look behind me. And he says, I just want all of you. I, I want to know every detail of your life. I, I want you to trust me with the good things of life, but I also want you to trust me with the bad things of life. He says, I've come to, to give myself for you. He's waiting at the door of your life. Will you open that door for him today? Will you allow that desire for Jesus, will you allow it to manifest itself into action? It's one thing to say, man, I'm going to do that. But it's a whole other story to follow through. That's the choice that the wise men had to make. They saw the star, and they could have sat around and said, wow, that's a cool star. All right, so what's for lunch? And they could have totally disregarded that star and, star and missed that opportunity to give themselves, to offer the, the gift to the Lord, our Savior, our Messiah. Jeremiah 29 says this, when you come looking for me, God is speaking here. He says, when you come looking for me, guess what? You will find me. Look at that. When you come looking for me, you will find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. What do you desire most in life? What is that longing that you have in your life? God says, when you come looking for me more than anything else, more than acceptance of people, more than financial gain, more than success, 
when you really get serious, when you, when you look for me, you will find me. And here's what I love about God. He's not playing a game of hide and seek with us. Jesus has revealed the light for you, for me, just as he did for the wise men. But the choice is ours. What move will we make? See, you can allow your situation to destroy you, listen carefully, or you can allow your desire to lead you to your destiny. You can allow that that struggle that you're experiencing right now, you can allow that, that problem that you have in your life, you can allow it to lead you down the wrong road, you can allow it to destroy who you are, or you can choose to go toward the light of Jesus Christ to allow him to be that source of hope in you, to lead you to the destiny. What is that destiny? God desires that none would perish, but that all would come to the place of repentance. Your destiny, what God has for you, is a relationship with him. That's what he has for you. Draw close to Jesus today. He is the source of hope. You see, it all starts with a desire. And the second thing that I see from the wise men today is this. We have to allow Jesus to fill us with joy. Allow Jesus to fill you with joy. Matthew chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says, And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, come on, hold on to this. This timing's important. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with what? Great joy. When they saw the star, they had a choice to make in their pursuit. They could have given up. I mean, truth be told, if it really was a two-year excursion, could you imagine traveling for two years following a star? There had to be a few times in there when one of the wise men looked at the other wise man and said, what are we doing? I'm tired of this camel. I'm ready for my own bed. Right? Two-year journey. Or they could have allowed that goal to lead them to bigger and better things. That's what they did. They allowed it to lead them to Jesus. Notice with me that it wasn't when they walked into the house. The Bible doesn't say the moment that they walked through the door of the house and saw Jesus, the moment that they knelt before him, they were filled and rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. No, 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 no. It says the moment that they saw the star. It all began with a desire. 
this excitement began to well up deep down inside of them. They were still in the anticipation stage. They had not yet arrived, yet they chose to allow the joy that was to come to instantly consume them. Now, there are two points of this moment that I want to look at, two turning point words, if you will. The first is the word joy. By definition, the word joy means a source or cause of great happiness. This was not a momentary joy. This wasn't just a a sudden, oh, excitement, now that's gone. But this was an ongoing excitement. It wasn't temporary, but a great joy. And that's our second word, is the word great. It literally means prepared on the grand scale. Oh, come on, think about this. When God steps into your situation, he does things on a grand scale. He doesn't just give you a little bit here and a little bit there. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with an exceedingly prepared on a grand scale source of hope, of joy. They rested in Jesus. But notice here, it doesn't say they were filled with happiness. We've talked about this in the past. We can't confuse happiness and joy. Happiness is based on happenings, situations around you, everything lining up just right. And how many of you would agree that's not 2020? (laughs) But joy, joy is found in the one that holds our life all together. Joy is is found in the light that shines in the midst of the darkness. Joy is found in the one that makes us more than overcomers. Joy is found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So don't allow your current placement in life to determine your destination. Don't allow where you find yourself right now to determine where you end up. You see, the wise men had to get up. The wise men had to go in pursuit. The wise men had to grab a hold of that desire and follow that star to find where Jesus was. And when they finally found him, they responded with great joy, prepared on a grand scale. They worshiped him. They offered him Gifts, many times that's different than how we approach Jesus today. We expect Jesus to seek us out. We expect him, explain everything to me. I want to know everything. We expect him to supply gifts to us. But that's exactly the opposite of what the wise men demonstrated. They had to search, they had to go in pursuit. They had to change their direction. They had to offer themselves. Surrender to him. I challenge you today, seek after Jesus, not for what he can do for you, but simply for who he is. The third observation that I see is this. Offer Jesus the best you have. Offer Jesus the best you have. You see, it all starts with a desire 
We've got to allow Jesus to be the one that fills us with joy. And now we offer Jesus the best that we have. In verse 11, we see this happening with the wise men. It said, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This, in essence, is true worship, being willing to give God what is most valuable in our lives. So what is that for you? What is it that's most valuable to you today? Are you willing to give it to God? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a job, a house a career, hopes, dreams, aspirations, whatever it happens to be. Are are you willing to give that to God? You see, that's what he wants. He wants your everything. We'll go into that in more detail in just a moment. The wise men offered Jesus not only their worship, but valuable gifts as well. They laid down the value before him. They gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, we don't know this for sure, but some have gone as far as to say that the gold was given to Jesus because he was king of the Jews. Others say that frankincense was offered to him that day because he was Emmanuel, God, with us. Then they go as far as to say that the myrrh was given because of his purpose of dying on the cross, the preparation for his suffering, his burial. But regardless the reason of the gifts, the wise men were willing to offer the best to Jesus. Now, when they realized that the star had stopped and it was time to to really experience the long-awaited hope, this great joy overcame them. This prepared on a grand scale joy. They were completely consumed with him. This is the joy that Jesus offers to every one of us this Christmas season. Will you worship him? Will you offer him all of you? John chapter 4, four verse 23 says this, But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Jesus is speaking here. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Are we willing, are you willing to worship God in spirit and in truth? What does that mean? Are you willing to worship him at the uttermost part of who you are? See, Jesus longs to spend time with you. He desires to be in your presence. Why not begin to praise him today in this Christmas season? I believe that the wise men went into the house with a praise already on the inside. They were so full of joy from the moment of spotting the star, a joy consumed him to the point that they couldn't help when they broke through the doors, when they entered the house, they couldn't help but give God praise. Why? Because so much of that joy was flowing on the inside. It couldn't help but come out. And I wonder about us. How full of the joy of the Lord are we today? 
It all starts with a desire. Fourth observation is this. This is the hardest one. Be willing to change life's direction. Be willing to change life's direction. What direction are you headed today? Where is your life leading you? If it's leading you anywhere but to Jesus, you're going the wrong way. The Bible says in the book of Acts, there's only one name under heaven by which we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. This baby that was born in a manger. This baby, this hope that the wise men sought after. This Messiah that spoke into the blinded eyes and they could see. Raised the dead from the grave. That caused the lame to walk. This Messiah that climbed on the cross willfully for you and for me. That's the road. That's the path that we must go today. We see in verse 12 of Matthew chapter 2 that when it was time to leave, the wise men returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. They were supposed to go back and find Herod and let Herod know where the baby was, where the king of the Jew could be found. Yet they realized they had to be willing to change life's direction. How do we do that? Three simple ways. Number one, surrender your mind to him. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 21, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth, hold on to that. That's a difficult word in today's society. Society would try to tell you that truth depends on where you are. No. Truth is found right here. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth, that comes from him. Here it is. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. In other words, be willing to change life's direction. It's corrupt by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitude. Let the Holy Spirit begin to create a change within you. Put on your new nature, willing to make the change. Put on a new nature that's created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I believe that it's time to stop doing things how we've always done them. It's time to get rid of that old lifestyle. 
It's time to surrender it to God. Number two, surrender your will to him. Romans 12, 2, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Look at that. God begins to do a work on the inside of who you are. God is more concerned about the inside than he is the outside. Because when the inside gets fixed, the outside will portray that. Come on now. Then you will learn to know God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And I can't tell you how many times as a pastor I've had people say, well, pastor, I just want to know God's will for my life. The answer is real simple. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you by changing the way you think. Let God do a work on the inside of you. Then you're going to find out God's will for you. And it's not a mediocre will. It's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. But many of us think that we can control our life by willpower. Man, this time's going to be different. This time I've got it. But more often than not, we fail. It's only when we yield our will to God that his power takes over and gives us the willpower and honestly the won't power that we need. Thirdly, surrender yourself to him. Luke chapter 9, Jesus is speaking. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must you must give up your own way. You must take up your cross. When? Daily. Oh, so Sunday morning's not enough? You mean it's not enough to, to give it up on a Sunday morning? It's not enough to sacrifice an hour and 15 minutes a week on a Sunday? That's not enough? No. I've got to daily be willing to sacrifice self. Take up that cross and follow him. He goes on to say, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save. It's a matter of putting self aside, of surrendering our lives to him. It's a matter of allowing him to take the lead. And can I just tell you that makes a whole lot more sense? Because he's not confined to here and now. He's not confined by time. Why not turn it over to him? Not trying to run life by ourselves, but giving full control over the one that has everything under control. 
It was Joshua in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, that said this, choose this day, and I will give you the same challenge that Joshua gave the people that day. Choose this day whom you will serve. But for me, in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Choose today. Some of you are toying with all of this. Some of you are playing games with all of this. It's time to choose. Can I get real personal real quick? Some of you, this is the second time you've been in church all year. Christmas and Easter. It's time to choose. I know that's hard. I know that's direct. But I, I feel, feel that I'd be misleading you if I just kind of gave you a bonbon and said, hey, welcome second time. We're at a point in time, folks, in our culture, this is going to get tough. We're going to start facing some opposition. Oh, we could play church all day long, and that's okay in culture. But truly standing upon the Word of God, that's going to get hard. So I say to you today, choose today. Now is your moment. Who will you serve? There's a lot of options out there. There's only one correct one. And it all starts with a desire. Would you pray with me today? God, would you speak into our hearts? Lord, we have people in the room today. We have those watching online today that are at so many different areas on this connection with you. But Lord, I believe that you've come, that there might be an incredible change on the inside of who we are. you help us today? Give us boldness to willfully change direction of our life. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you're here today. Maybe you're watching online right now. But you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't have Jesus in my life. I really haven't been taking this thing seriously. I've been doing church out of convenience, not out of conviction. But today I choose. I choose Jesus. I want to give my life to Him. I want to surrender completely to him. 
If that's you, you want to ask Jesus to come into your life. If that is you, would you raise your hand today all across the house? Come on. Yeah, there's one. Come on, I feel like there's more in this house right now. Is that you? God's stirring in you. Is that you? Yeah, there's another. There's another. Oh, there's one more. Who are you today? Jesus stands at the door of your life. He's knocking right now. Will you open that door? Maybe you're here and you've got a relationship with him. But you haven't had that passionate pursuit. You haven't really changed a lot of direction. You realize today there's got to be a shift. There's got to be a change. You say, Pastor, that's me. I don't want to do things like I've been doing them. I'm ready to follow him. If that's you, would you raise your hand? the house, yes. Are there others? Would you stand with me, everyone in the house, if you would stand with me. Prayer partners that I have in the room today, if you'll come and line the front of the room. Those of you that are here, if you raised your hand, or maybe you know you should have raised your hand, but for one reason or another you didn't do so, I'm going to ask you to leave your seat. The moment the worship team begins to lead us in this song, I'm going to ask you to leave your seat, to take 15 seconds of bold bold move for the kingdom of God. Just step out of your seat. Pursue Jesus. And I promise you, he will meet you here today. If you're online and you're wanting to meet Jesus, you need prayer, post that in the comments. We will follow up with you just as quickly as we possibly can. But if that's you today, if you're ready to respond to God, maybe you've got another need. Maybe you just need God to speak into a situation. I'm going to ask you to leave your seat. Come, let one of our prayer partners pray with you. Be open with them. Be honest with them. Whatever you say here is confidential. They'll pray with you today. Are you ready? Here we go.